everybody, this is iDeveloper Live, episode 70, and today is the 30th of October 2012, I think. With me, sat very close and snuggled up next to me in the studio, is Mr. Simon Wolf. Hello, hello. And not quite so snuggled up because he's 6,000 miles away, but we like to be snuggling in spirit, Mr. John Fox. Hello, world. I know everybody's been very concerned about us because we've been flooded here in San Francisco, flooded with sunshine and perfect weather. <laughs> from from sunrise, Sandy. That's just exactly. <laughs> okay, right, John. How's your week been? My week has been fine and dandy. It actually is. It's. it's uh, it, I'm embarrassed to say how pleasant it has been in San Francisco in the last week, but uh, so I'll keep my mouth shut because all those people who were, <laughs> who were, who were out there, uh, kind of dealing with overflowing Gowanus Canal. So those of you in low lying areas of Brooklyn, my heart goes out to you. But I'm sure the water has already receded, and, and the rats will, will will go back to their their underground um, living quarters. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it must be uh, pretty rough if you're there, but um, it's okay. I mean, how many people live on the ground floor in New York? I mean, it's it's not a lot, and even even the ground floor apartments are up a quite a lot of steps. So hopefully everyone's okay who's listening. But uh, anyway, here we go. Right, uh, let's go back to a week ago. We abandoned the show last week because um, uh, of the uh, iPad Mini event, as it turned out. Um, so, uh, surprise, surprise, there we are, but a whole bunch of other hardware as well. Uh, what struck you, John? We'll, we'll, we'll keep, I know this is a developer show, so we'll keep this bit short, but you know, we, we can't just ignore it, can we? No, I, I think the Mini is going to be really nice. My mom went out and ordered one, and uh, and, and what she said is, I mean, she, she lives from her iPad, I mean, and my mom's very computer literate. She started using a Mac the same time I did, so, you know, but but she really loves the, the Mini because it, it's it's a comfortable reading weight, and she always jokes that, you know, one day she'll find, you know, they'll, they'll open up the apartment and find her, you know, collapse under the weight of her old iPad, so she, I think it, that's a, you know, that alone is, is really nice, and I think that they'll sell a lot. I mean, it's kind of interesting. So you ha- you had the announcement, you had the earnings report, and then you of course had last night's news. So yes, there's been all sorts of, of Apple news, hasn't there? Yeah, we'll cover last night's news in, in just a minute. Um, okay, so what is the actual weight of the iPad Mini? Uh, I do not know, but I bet uh, the internet. Paper, now. isn't it? Okay, is well, okay. How, so how much? How, how much in, in comparison does it weigh the same or less than a new Kindle? Uh, I don't even know that. My my guess is that it's it's around that that weight. I think it, it's 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 the weight, and it's also the fact that you can comfortably hold it with one hand. So, so we're just going to say goodbye to the uh, gentleman leaving the office. Bye, Matt. Bye, Dave. Bye. <laughs> yeah. See, they uh, they they can't stand all this high tech stuff. Um, but it, I- it's it's an interesting device. My mum for probably the last year or so has been wavering between whether she should get a Kindle, whether she should get an iPad. Um, and now they've announced the Mini, which kind of sort of fits that middle ground for her. She, she's coming to see me this weekend um, and wants to go to the Apple store to see if they've got any, just so she can see it and check the size. But it's it's something that she's really excited about and really interested in and, and will probably finally solve her dilemma. Well, there you have it. The world is safe for, for Simon's mom. That's good. See, I mean, I, I do most of my reading on the iPad, um, but I have to say it is too heavy. Um so um, whenever, you know, a lot of times I'll, I like the Kindle to read from. And actually the e-ink is a great experience to read from. It's far less uh, draining on the eyes. But obviously you do get lots of other limitations there. But the, the weight is a big issue. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see. Although, you know, this is maybe something we're not going to get from Apple. 
um, because it's a computing device. It's not a reader. Um, I'd love it if Apple, you know, just like we have the uh, iPod Touch, um, which is an iPhone. It's not just a cut-down iPhone. It's a cheaper device based around the iPhone format. I would actually love it if um, uh, Apple did something like a, an iPad Mini there was a reader version only so it only an handled it only handled uh, reading and it only handled newsstand or something like that um, and it was dirt cheap because my point of view of, of things that I read from is I want them to be cheap enough that if I leave it on the beach if I drop it in the bath I don't have to care when I carry a paperback book I don't care where I am and if I leave it on the aeroplane it doesn't matter when I'm carrying a you know $600-$700 iPad I do <laughs> Um, and it's, so yeah, I, I think a reading device is would you know, a high quality reading device that was sub a hundred dollars would be fantastic. I, I don't think they'll ever do it, unfortunately, um, mm. just because Apple have consistently proven they're not not there to create budget priced hardware. I mean, I think a lot of people were surprised how expensive an iPad Mini was, and that it wasn't going to be a two hundred dollar device to to compete with the Nexus and the Kindle. Um, but but Apple never have, and I don't think ever will. Be interested in, in sort of going after the bottom end of the market. I think you know if you've got an iPad, an iPad Mini, you take the risk whether you want to read it in the bath or not. And, and I think that's just going to carry on being their business model. And I guess the 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 point is that Kindles are so cheap that I just bought a Kindle as well anyway. And whenever I want to read something in a place where I don't want to take my iPad, I just take my Kindle, and it sixty pounds, ninety dollars, whatever it is. It's cheap enough that if I only use it three times a year, who cares? It doesn't matter. I use, but I can use it when I want to use it. But then the, the, it's, it's almost sort of in a slightly obscene way. I'm thinking about getting a, an iPad mini at some point so that I don't have to take my all singing, all dancing, 64 gig, 3G iPad out with me. Um, I can just take the iPad mini and, and I'm going to get a bottom of the range memory size one, um, storage size one, so that if I do lose it or if it does break, yes, it's expensive and I don't really want to do it, but it's not as big a loss as losing my sort of my full-sized iPad. Um, so it will become, I think, much more of a device for me to take out if I'm going for a coffee or if I'm going to go and do some shopping, I'll, I'll take it with me, uh, much more than I'd currently take my iPad. Hmm. Excellent. So as developers, does the iPad mini make any difference to us at all? Was there any, is there anything about it that we're going to be now? I mean, we, we've got the iPhone 5 with the taller screen we've got to work for. Um, we've got, um, you know, uh, the fact that we have to deal with retina and non-retina. Was there anything in any way about the uh, iPad mini that we can affect us as developers? I can't see anything, and that I, I came in late to the announcement. It's kind of funny at, the, at my one of my clients. You know, there's there's a number of of, of you know big Android fans and kind of anti Apple uh, folks, and so they were like, "Oh, lame! It's no different." Blah blah blah. Now, haha, you guys have to worry about a new form factor, and, and it took me a while to 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 sift through the news at the time that it was the same resolution. So I don't, I can't see that it makes any difference, other than giving another an excuse to go out and buy another piece of hardware. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that, and that's the great thing uh, about this. That um, yeah, I, that's what I thought was the case. I just wanted to make sure I haven't had a chance to even check it. I haven't even actually, in fairness, watched the keynote yet. It's I've, I've sort of it's far enough through now, and I've heard enough that I probably don't feel I need to anymore. But there we are. Okay, so let's. Um, uh, you know, new IMAX was nice. I mean, amazingly thin. Yeah. Uh, but again, as developers, it doesn't change anything we do. New Mac um, Mini. New Mac Mini, great. Apart from I bought one recently, but there we are. And the 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro. Okay, that, the, the interesting thing about this then, okay, is developers, um, I mean, I currently use a 13-inch MacBook, the old um, aluminum 
for the sake of our uh, mm-hmm. American cousins version for the for that brief generation it had there. Um, it does not a bad job. It's four years old now. It's got eight gig of memory in. It's the two point four gigahertz processor. Um, but I could, you know, apart from the fact it's an, a, an old machine and getting a bit beaten up, actually I could work off this machine every day as a developer, and 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 I would survive. Um, so the thirteen inch MacBook Pro with the latest person. The thing that I did see was it's only onboard graphics and it's a Retina display. So it's going to be interesting to know how. Um, yeah, it's a developer machine. We say the MacBook. I think the MacBook Pro 13. That's what I'm going to say. is perfectly good. My worry be is the Retina display and the onboard only graphics. I wonder how that's going to work out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it sure seems that that you know there used to be kind of a bad name for you know the kind of onboard stuff, but it, it gets faster and faster. I, I don't know. I think Apple is pretty pretty strict about not releasing something that is going to give some par performance. Yeah. Particularly on a developer machine or, or a pro level machine, I right. think, I think exactly. they would have been very so careful I, I, I to, to cover the bases. Be a problem, but I don't know from personal experience. See, I, I'm a bit more stumped now. What, what to do? Because I was seriously thinking about my next machine will be a 15 inch Retina MacBook yeah. Pro. Um, but now I'm very tempted by the 13. Yeah, everyone says I know that the uh, um, the MacBook Airs are a little bit lighter, and I bought my son a MacBook Air for his birthday recently, and just like compared to my machine, it, it's just so light, and that's great. However, you know, I have to come back here. I think it's Marco Armand who points this out quite a lot. You know, it's very, very rare I only ever carry my laptop. There's always other stuff in the bag. And so the moment there's a book and a charger and, you know, other bits of junk in my bag, am I really going to notice the £1.5 difference now? Uh, you know, because I'm carrying the stuff around anyway. Um, so, you know, why compromise myself on the machine for the sake of a weight that I'm really probably, in what I do, just walking to my office and back, not going to notice? I guess the flip, yeah. side, the flip side of that, though, is do you need the extra screen space? Is that extra two inches going to make a big difference to your life? You should see the look on his face as he says that. I know, really. I'm just like, I'm just going to walk away from that one. <laughs> there we are. He knew he was. However, I will be cutting that up and, and, and tweeting it. <laughs> oh my word! Yeah, you know, I can just see it right now. I mean, we have enough it's episodes. Just, it's that we just could do YouTube being, you know, between, you... Like, you know, splicing that and, and, and Danny Gregg saying, "I could." Wait. I could I could use some Greek or some I could use some Greece right now. There we go. And awesome. It's all in your minds. It's all in your Extra minds. Two inches. Awesome. <laughs> I I'm could not, use some Greece. I'm not even going to tell you what he said just before we came on air because that would just really totally finish you off. Okay, right. <laughs> um, okay, let, let's maybe talk about something that does affect us as developers, maybe going forward. Um, Mr. Forstall, he's going to be going from Apple. Mm. Um, not really anything said about why. Um, it has been pointed out in the Apple announcements that nowhere does it say thank you. Although then there is the explanation that he's not actually leaving yet and thank yous come at the time you actually do go. But is, he is off the page. He's off the management page yeah, on so the site. So it's... Is this, is this a power struggle going on inside Apple, do we think? It sure seems like it, and and oddly enough, you know, I I do know a fair number of people who work at Apple, and and I'm friends with them, kind of you know socially, and and of course nobody says anything, but there was something that I found very interesting on somebody's Facebook status saying, you know. I feel strangely like celebrating, and then people were saying why, and then they said, "Oh, there was some business news today." So I, I get the impression that, that he was a highly, highly polarizing figure, and 
you know, I, I get it. I understand how it can be toxic. You know, it, it doesn't matter how genius somebody is, or you know, uh, you just you just can't have a team with somebody who who who, who is as as abrasive as it sure sounds like he, he was. So, and, and it's kind of surprising and sad because he's, he's obviously been there since forever. I mean, I, I, I do remember him from the next era, um, and my God, he he made huge contributions. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's not like I think people can can you know speak wildly ill of him but if 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 it causes such a uh, you know uh, whatever such tension that's there it's got to be put to an end so i'm sure apple did the right thing i think it's obviously under under tim it's it's he's trying to make it much less of a a, um a company where there's conflicts and it thrives on conflicts and conflicts seen as something good because it will motivate the employees um and from from reading the, I think it was in the the Steve um, Jobs biography, they were saying in that that he was very um, Jobs like in that he would have sort of tantrums and he would uh, be very ungracious about passing on sort of complimentary um, feedback to his team, and he would be very happy to take an awful lot of it himself. Now, I obviously don't know you know how much that's true or, or what the guy was like, but from the sounds of it, he was the the sort of the, the Steve Jobs style character still left in the company, and I kind of feel that that probably doesn't fit in with Tim's much more mellow management style and, and trying to create harmony and, and having people working together rather than fighting against each other and trying to prove themselves that way. Yeah, well, it, it also brings you know uh, brings up the question is is you know where's this great new wave of innovation is there and is is Apple now kind of you know executing flawlessly. In, in 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 you know building the products and incrementally improving them, but it, it really does start to bring in the question: is is where's the next big thing? Because it's kind of funny. So you know, at this whole time, the Surface has come out and, and Windows Eight is out, and and I have to say, I, you know, when I first saw Windows Eight, I thought it was actually quite interesting. You know, that that they went to the trouble of making something new. They weren't just trying to you know make yeah, we've got we've got pinch gestures and we've got something that 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 works like iPhone. I really think that that there's quite a bit of innovation in Windows Eight. It, Windows 8's user experience, and I think the the Surface sure shows that they they can make some nice, interesting hardware. Now it's got all sorts of problems, and, and I haven't tried it yet. But it's 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 I'm fine. I think we're in for a very interesting next few months, years, whatever, to see where Apple's going to go with this stuff. Mm, definitely. Um, uh, you know, they're obviously still going through a bit of a, a post Steve transition. Um, one hopes that there are plenty of products and ideas bouncing around for the future. Um, and and I think it's 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 good and it's it's also encouraging that Tim is prepared to sort of make this now his own company and that if necessarily if necessary however high profile they were or whatever job they were doing you know if, if people don't fit in and can't work within the team that he's creating then they become surplus to requirements and can be got rid of yeah okay but what what I do like out of this regardless of what um uh, Scott Forstall did or didn't do within the company. I I like the look of the lineup that's now there. I think if if you look at the um, the three musketeers, as I'm going to name them, uh, that you, you you you've got Tim Cook effectively running the business. And you know, let's face it, you know, a lot of Apple's success is still down to Tim Cook in the way he runs the business. Uh, you know, even when Steve was there. Um, you've got Johnny Ive responsible for design, full stop, not just hardware design, design across the company. You've got a guy who's interested in detail, but also interested in, in, in quality and interested in consistency. And, and I think we were having a, a chat um, 
uh, over lunch. We had a developer lunch here today, which is why we've been at the office. Um, that um, you know, th- there is a lot of consistency has begun to disappear between a lot of the applications on on iOS and on OS S10. And so, getting Johnny Ive involved in that is great. And then. Um, Craig, Craig Frederiki becoming responsible for both the OSs, which are obviously on a convergent path or, or coming very close together. That just seems like a really strong team to me. It's small, it's effective, it's focused. Um, I don't know, it just feels good to me. Mm, definitely. Craig, Craig Federici, every time I've seen him doing presentations in the last couple of years, he's really impressed me. He seems to, to be very confident in what he's talking about. He's got a very sort of relaxed um, approach to it all, but but seems to sort of exude that sort of confidence and, and, and ability. And I think he'll be a really good person to lead the teams. Indeed, indeed. Well, it's gonna, as I said, it's going to be interesting to be uh, an Apple Kremlinologist in the next six, 12 months. Yeah, I think I, I, I don't see this as a, a negative uh, thing for Apple in the long run. Um, it would depend you know, there's always factions inside a company. You know, uh, you know, is his leaving going to cause new divisions in in places? We, we'll have to wait and see. But a, a quick final shout out to our English contribution to uh, Apple's success of John Browett, who was the short-lived um, Johnny's English. John was English. Johnny Ive. No, no, no. John Browett. No, who- no. But you said our English contribution. I think he was being sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. Okay, sorry, I'll step back. Just pretend I'm not here. John Browlett, who is no longer going to be head of retail after his one um, um, attempt at managing it and, and making a complete cock-up of that, which I think is probably anything or, or everybody in England or, or Great Britain could have, have told Apple that he wasn't really the right person for the job and actually tried to over Twitter. Um, and actually, I think getting rid of him early rather than letting him carry on and try and fumble his way through it is, is another good move. Um, and it's a sort of a sign that... Tim will recognise when he's made a mistake or the company's made a mistake and deal with it quickly and decisively. Indeed. I, I hope that that I should never be so quickly and decisively dismissed from the the world of iDeveloper. I'm look, I'm not, so I, I maintain my, uh, my daily work to suck up to Scotty. You haven't read the memo then, John? Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, let's, oh let's, feces. Let's, 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 let's take a... That's exactly reasons like that, that you're off the air. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's take a, a, a quick break for a sponsor. Uh, just one sponsor today, but they are a wonderful sponsor. We love them. It's Invasive Code. Uh, they train you in iOS uh, to be an iOS developer. Their course is iOS 6 ready, has been since the very day it was released. Um, they run intensive five-day training courses in Europe and in the US of a um basically they're small training courses if you've listened to this show before and you know i say this every single week and if you listen to this show before i say that sentence every week as well um about be able to maximum of 10 on a course um which is the key thing uh, okay so it means you get good time with the instructor seven hours a day in the training room um lunch coffee all that sort of stuff provided all the materials but equally a couple of hours in the labs at night where you can catch up with the work that uh, you've been trying to do during the day um you know maybe bits you didn't quite get finished the instructor will be there as well to help you so yeah that's great it's all good stuff their next course is in san francisco sunny san francisco as john will tell you on november the 5th so by the time you listen to this it may be a little bit late um i'm sure by next week when uh, we go on air they'll give us the next dates um two thousand six hundred dollars which actually, for, you know, that much contact time with a trainer in a small group is very good value. But if you uh, email them and ask them about the course and say, everybody loves invasive code, 
in the email, then they'll knock 200 bucks off that as well. So uh, I want to say thanks to Jeppy and the guys at Invasive Code. You can check them out at training.invasivecode.com and uh, tell them that we sent you. Tell them that uh, we love them and uh, Invasive Code. Invasive Code, Invasive Code. Everybody loves Invasive Code. Simon's shaking his head like he doesn't like that. No, I'm not perpetuating these things that you do because obviously you've missed the opportunity of doing your usual ritual Sound effects for me. Oh no, we've just Land saved. We've, we've just Land saved it up for right now. Oh gosh! Because we're going to move into the feature segment. <laughs> well, that was a bit, a bit, bit hoarse. Um, we're going to move into the feature segment with our special guest, Simon Wolf. So, chat room, people out there sitting in your cars, people at home, people in the gym. Let's all say hello to Simon. You cannot believe how much he hates that. I have an image now of poor people in a gym getting very, very odd looks from uh, other people. Right, Simon, you've um, you, you, <laughs> sorry, even Evan, Evan in the chat room contributed. Right. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> it's um, you started blogging quite prolifically recently. I, I did. Um, it's sort of slowed down over the last couple of weeks um, due to mainly work, as ever. Um, but yeah, I, ah, so I, blogging is a sign of not working, is it? <laughs> no, blogging is a sign of, of of one form of creativity that goes in hand in hand with working and being productive. Oh, and nice response, well done. Okay, um, so basically, we're here to talk about it because you you've taken back blogging. You think it's an important part of what you should be doing as part of your career, part of your is you is expressing yourself and being part of the community yeah and so we were just going to um talk a little bit about the whys and what your thinking is and what you've learned from doing it and different systems you've tried and all that sort of stuff is that the idea yes definitely good then over to you okay um i i have a formal blog that i i run that i originally set up sort of go with my company which is ottersoftwareblog.com um and over time sort of the the publication of articles to that slowed and slowed and slowed and I think the last one was probably well over a year ago now um and it was one of those things where where I'd been writing generally fairly detailed lengthy articles the sort of thing that take a long time to do and and um you always think oh I should blog about this and you think well actually it's going to take me hours to do this and I need to do example code and it just sort of slowly died a death um and then a few months ago, I thought it's actually quite sad because I enjoyed the writing. Um, I enjoyed sharing information with people and sometimes just getting my own thoughts out um, and, and just publishing them and writing them down would give things a new perspective, particularly if I was dealing with, say, a development problem. Um, so I decided to to get back into it and, and try and at least do blogging on a, a more informal basis even and, and not just make it about work stuff and not just make it about development but just to have it as a, an outlet um, and so I started off doing that I, I, I set up a Tumblr blog uh, which I used for a while and it's free and it was fairly quick and easy to use and I used um, the brilliant Mars edit to write the posts um, and that all went along fine and then Tumblr changed their API and Mars edit stopped working and while Daniel Jalcut was sorting that out and, and fixing the software, I started digging around because actually I, I realized I had the same problem with my new Tumblr blog as I had with my old blog, which was based in Squarespace, which was actually all the content was on someone else's server. And it was quite difficult for me to get it off. Yes, you know, they allow you to do data exports and things like that, but you end up with usually a huge big XML file that's fairly unwieldy and, and fairly difficult to use. So I started looking around at, at what else there was um, and came across a system called Scriptogram, 
Um, and Script to Gram, there are, there are a couple of similar services, but basically you create Markdown files and you store them in Dropbox and they're published from there. They, they then, uh, the Script to Gram server gets them out of your Dropbox folder, passes them into HTML and, and stores them for you and it's, it's all displayed and managed from there. But the nice thing was that, firstly, I owned, again, my content properly. There were files on my machine. And secondly, it felt much less laborious just to open up ByWord or another text editor, hammer out a quick blog post. It didn't matter really how long it was or, or what it was about. Um, stick it into Dropbox and publish it. It suddenly became a much, much easier process for me, um, which meant that blogging stopped being a chore and became something that was more fun. Um, and it was something that I could just do if I had something on my mind or a particular bit of information I wanted to impart. You could just um, get it out quickly and publish it. Uh, you didn't have to worry about logging into websites or syncing data between a, a client application and, and um, an online service. So I kind of got into it and I started off, I thought, well, I'll set up the scriptogram one really sort of a, almost like a personal blog and it'll have bits about me and it'll have bits about... Um, Things that I'm, I'm doing, again, things like cycling. Um, if I had an opinion about something or wanted to have a rant about something, I'd, I'd do that. And then I sort of slowly evolved it again, and I started putting some more technical content into it. Um, and that's currently where it is at the moment. It's, it's a mix of personal and some business and some development content. And I'm, I'm being very conscious that I categorize things that I put in it carefully so that if people are, a, a, say, a Cocoa developer, they might only want to see those articles. So I'm allowing them to do that through tags and, and filtering. Um, but, but a couple of things occurred to me while I was going through all of this. And the first was that um, blogging can be a very self-conscious thing. Um, and I know quite a few people have, have said it, and I, I covered it in one of my articles, that when you know you've got a, a big readership to your blog, when you know there are thousands of people reading your articles, you become very sort of self-aware in what you're writing, um, and you become very conscious of it, and you start to... In, a, in an odd way, you become less honest in what you're writing. It becomes more manufactured. Um, and I really enjoyed the fact of thinking, okay, I'm going to start publishing this new blog. I may get a handful of people who look at it. There may be nobody at all, but that's half the pleasure of it because I can write down exactly what I think and exactly what I feel. And I don't feel constrained that I've got to have everything beautifully written and beautifully structured and, and beautifully worded. It's almost like an information dump. It's, it's quite sort of therapeutic in a way. Um, so I think if, if you are thinking about blogging, forget about people reading it um, and don't worry about what people might say because it's much more important in a, in a way to impart information and impart your thoughts and, and, and your knowledge. And then after that, you worry about the way that people will interpret it. I mean, obviously, don't be grossly offensive on it if you don't want to be. Um, but don't worry too much about how you'll be perceived because your content and, and the message you're trying to get across is actually much more important than just making sure that it's media friendly and that everybody will look at it and say, wow, you know, this is, this is fantastic. Um, and the other thing I realized as I was doing it is that actually, as I started writing some more of the sort of the cocoa and development based articles, is that blogging is, is very much a two-way process in that part of it is for me to give information to people and, and give them ideas and tell them how I'm doing things. Um, but the other side of it is that as a developer, when I decide I want to write about things, I'll go away and I'll research them probably in a bit more detail than I would if I was just, say, developing without worrying about blogging. Um, now, part of that is because I want to make sure that it's technically correct. Um, and part of it is sometimes because you're just not sure about something you're putting out there. So you want to go and double check. 
Um, and the flip side, or, or the sort of the hand in hand side bit with that is, is for a couple of my articles, I've actually asked other developers to do a technical technical edit process on it, uh, which has been great because they've generally come back to me with issues either things I've got factually wrong. Or they've said, you should be breaking this up into multiple blog posts. And so that's been really useful. It's, it's become a, a two-way thing that I'm going into it with the aim of giving out information and knowledge to people. But equally, I'm getting information back and I'm getting guidance and advice back. Um, and similarly, once something's been published, you'll get people who get in touch um, and are more than happy to give you opinions and thoughts and alternative takes. And quite a lot of my, my more recent blog posts, and particularly the, the development and technical ones, um, I'll put addendums at the bottom of the blog post where people have corrected me on things. Um, sometimes I'll change the content inside the blog post. Sometimes I'll leave it as it is, um, just because I don't want to sort of hide the fact that I wasn't sure about it. Um, and that's maybe one of the other things that people worry about is that blogging and getting things wrong doesn't make you stupid. It actually makes you normal. Um, there's an old saying, which isn't 100% right, that um, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Well, there are stupid questions, obviously. But what it's basically trying to say is that if you have to ask a question, there's a good chance that other people will also not know and we'll be grateful for the fact that you're asking that question. Well, blogging's the same. If you are blogging about something and you're not sure about it, there will be other people in the same situation as you so actually going out and, and being fallible and sometimes making a fool of yourself helps other people because it makes them realize that they're not being particularly stupid and they're not alone and they're not being very dense and actually not all this stuff is very obvious to everybody um so it can it could be really <clears throat> excuse me it can be really helpful and, and help build almost like a, a micro community around yourself i mean i've got people who respond to my blog posts um and there'll be a, a sort of a core set of people who'll do it. And, and time and time again, they'll make comments about them. Um, and it's great. And it's helping me a lot. And it's encouraging me to pick a subject and start writing about it and then go off and, and do some more detailed research and learn other things. And, and over the last few years, Scotty and I were talking about this earlier, over the last few years, blogging seems to have died a bit of a death. And people were sort of saying, oh, well, it's because of Twitter and people don't blog anymore, which I don't necessarily agree with because Twitter's just too short. Um, but I think that there's now so much information out there in terms of books and videos and tutorial websites and Stack Overflow and, and other things like that, that people don't blog because they, they will do a Google search, they'll find bits of information and they'll just go and use that. They won't reinterpret it or, or even blog about the fact of, I was trying to do this and I found these three good articles here are the links to them, and here's a, a very brief summary of how I adapted the three of them into what I'm doing. And I think people shouldn't be scared of blogging, and I think it would be great if people did it more. There are tools, things like Scriptogram, which make it incredibly quick and incredibly easy. Um, it would be lovely to see people writing more blog posts, particularly what I call the amateur bloggers, um, not the people who used to have blogs and became very successful um, and have, have sort of reached this point of self-awareness where they're very careful about what they now write. But having the roar of blogs where people are just putting information down and imparting information about stuff they've discovered or when they've tried something new and different and are keen to share it with the world. And it seems to be something that has died out a bit, and it would be great to see it back. I have something to say, Scotty, if I may. You may. I thought I, I had that sort of sense of you uh, fluttering around in the background like you did, so I thought uh, I would just stay quiet and let you say it. Okay, so you know, I, I actually I, I got a, a lovely email this this past week um, from somebody who who 
is, is leaving a company I, I've been consulting with and, and I've spent a lot of time mentoring him, helping him and basically giving to him the incredible amount of, of uh, you know, uh, help to that like I got when I was, you know, learning how to, to how to how to be a software engineer, and it, it made me so happy that I then forwarded his email and 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 to somebody who was my mentor, and, and I said, I'm so happy that I've been able to to pay for what you gave to me. And I was thinking about that in the context of all this discussion on blogs and, and about how incredibly valuable and, and almost how how absurdly easy it is to find answers to almost any problem if you know how to search and how to interpret it. And I was always I, 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 I'm, I believe I've been quite good about thanking people. It's, it's an amazing bit of currency that if you come across a blog post that has some nugget of information that's saving you time, you know, to post a thank you in the comments or to send an email. And if, and if you, you know, it, it's, it's something I've talked about in the past, but it's something that I think if you're setting up a blog and, and you're spending the time doing it, you know, you owe it to yourself to, 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 to give a good example on how to, how to be thankful. Meaning that if, 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 if you're, if you're giving valuable information to somebody, there are going to be people who are going to hit your blog and say, wow, this is really great. How can I, how can I pay this nice thing forward? And, you know, you should encourage that. And so, for instance, if there's a charity that you really believe in, I mean, I know that you're big on charity water and I've since become a huge fan of charity water. I, I would recommend to, to, to you, um, Simon, that, that whatever it is, if there's something that, that you really want to see supported, you should put on your blog saying, hey, you know, a little about why I do this. You know, I do this because I, I, I want there to be good quality information. I want these things to be out there. And if this is helpful for you, you can you can honor that by paying it forward, being kind to someone else, offering you know, blogging yourself, putting so, you know some good information out there, or helping to make the world a little little place. You know, by giving a, a little bit of money to to this charity that I think is meaningful. But I think it, it really would be helpful to, to 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 make that part of of, of blogging. I think it's a, a useful thing to do. And that's a great yeah. idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna add that into my blog. I think that's a really really lovely idea. Good. Here we are, John. You've just made his day. Yeah, if you've said something useful. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm, I'm longer fired, but it is true. And, and it, what's kind of funny is that you know people say, "Oh, nobody blogs anymore. Nobody's journalism anymore." And and, and it's true. Definitely, things have have come down. The, a lot of the need is not there. But I think that the, the it, you you can always have good information out there in the world. And I, I, I hope nobody gets discouraged thinking that it's not worth doing. Um, because you, you just never know. And that's the funny thing is you don't have to think, well, in order to have an impact in the world, I'd have to have thousands of uniques a day. And that's not true. You, you help one person, you really are doing something useful. There's always going to be somebody that you can help. I think it's really important to understand why you're blogging. Um, if you are blogging to increase your business, that's a different type of blogging than blogging to get something off your chest. Yeah. Um, you know, in a, a blog that you're doing in order to increase the traffic to your website to, because of the business you're trying to do, you're back to being careful what you say. You're back to, um, you know, making sure you're on message all the time, not contradicting yourself. And, and you need to understand it. And I think, you know, there is no problem with running multiple blogs. You, you have quite distinctly, you've, you've don't post that much to the Otter software blog. Because Otter Software has not released much recently, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and, and this personal stuff. And equally, again, it's quite difficult. If you are a software developer, Daniel Jelka has just started writing a personal blog again. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the uh, bit. Oh, like it, it's oh, I can't remember what it's called now. I'll, I'll try and find the link, put it in the show notes. 
it's bitsplitting bitsplitting.org is it something like that um again for exactly the same reasons he didn't post that much on the red sweater software blog because he had to be careful and it was for mars edit users and all this sort of stuff um and so he just wanted to do something um himself uh, and he did it and so you know the type of posts he's gonna have there are very different to what we're going to find on on the Red Sweater blog. So, um, yeah, bitsplitting.org. Thanks, uh, Joshua. I mean, the only, the only thing I would say about that is that in this day and age, even if you separate your blogs, people are going to find you. And they're going to, you know, if, if you are the person behind the company or, like Daniel, you are the company, people will, will probably find your personal blog as well as your business one. And although people will realise that there's a, a, a separation between them, um, they will still see you. So it's almost you've got to make a decision of, yes, I'm going to be open and honest to the world, or no, I'm not. You will have an online profile that will be built up from wherever you are, and Google will make sure of that. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think the point is, it, it's more about curating where you put the materials. So actually, if, I, if I'm if i buying Otter Software products, whatever they might be, um, yeah, I'm an Avtag purchaser. One day, oh, glorious day. Um <laughs> Okay, um, you know I don't really, as an Avtag purchaser, want to know whether you use functions or methods, and or you use C or Objective C. I want to know how to use Avtag. I want to know how this is going to affect me here. The blog for the company I'm buying Avtag from needs to be a help to me, and maybe talk about some generic stuff. Um, equally, as this argument, if the blogs, you know, I don't really want to know what you had for dinner last night, or you know what your relationship issues are, or whatever else. Um, <clears throat> however. Other people in your life or, or my life might, and therefore a personal blog is good. A development, you know, sometimes even, you know, a work blog, a development blog, a personal blog. It's so easy to set one up these days. Yep. It's it's not a problem. Um, you just do it. But, you know, but I think yeah, that will set the character of the blog. And, and I think people, something that blogs have in a way that Twitter can't have is, is you know, they have in a very different way to what Twitter has is you really do build up a personality. Because uh, you have more time uh, to do it. And I think if you have lots of mixed posts, that personality gets very confused. It becomes a split personality. Split personality people are quite hard to cope with. And therefore, people find those blogs difficult to cope with. Um, one of the reasons the big blog, um, which people keep telling me I should bring back. So, well, yeah, if you want the big blog brought back, email me, scotty at idevelopertv And uh, we'll see what happens. Um you know, is I would sit down and go through the feeds and I'd just pull out just the technical stuff because people didn't want to know about people's personal lives or their philosophical statements or whatever else um, for the particular type of reading they were doing there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I notice you have comments turned off. Yep. I don't know, or, or does, um, no, it does Scriptogram it not support It doesn't comments? natively support them, but actually... Yeah. It was something when I, you know, when I was looking around, I picked Tumblr and then I picked Scriptogram. It was something that I kind of deliberately went for because my Otter Software blog does allow comments. Ninety-nine percent of the stuff I get on that is spam, um, and actually not having comments kind of encourages people to either email you if they want to keep it private or to post something on Twitter if they don't mind it being a bit more public. And they're more. It's, it's easier to have a conversation through one of those mechanisms than it is through the comment section on your blog. I find. Um, so, you know, if somebody emails me or, or tweets me something that's relevant and interesting, I'll amend the blog post and I'll add it to it. But it, it just saves so much time in having to weed out all the spam and deal with all that sort of nonsense that, that I sort of semi-consciously went without having comments. 
Okay, that's great. Um, have, have we are we done there? Can I move us on? Do you yeah, have just just, to say? just one other thing I wanted to say, um, which I haven't really done yet, because I haven't done anything specific to it, is that if you're writing technical posts, um, it's incredibly useful if you put in what the current sort of operating system version is that you're writing it about, or um, what device or hardware it relates to. Um, simply because you know, if somebody comes to your blog three years later. The stuff that you've written about may be hopelessly out of date and it may be relevant by that point of view. So at least if you've put it in some sort of historical context, people can see, okay, this relates to that. We've all now moved on to whatever's new. So I, I won't worry about looking into this post. That's my tip for, for people doing technical content. Excellent. Right. I know, John, you've got a hard stop in about five minutes. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll wrap this show up in just a moment. Um, okay. Avtag. Uh, yeah. Av- we haven't had an Avtag diary for a while. Give us, no, an, give Av- us a very quick update. Av- Avtag is still obviously happening. Um, I have been horrendously tied up with some client work over the last um, um, few weeks. Um, and it's not just sort of a single client work. This has been a real sort of four, firefighting support for four or five different clients at a time, um, which for anyone who's done it is horrendously time consuming. Um so Avtag isn't forgotten, it's not lost, there's been bits of tinkering um, as and when I can, but I haven't been able to devote proper amounts of time to it to do that final push to get it to an alpha stage for, for testing. Um, hopefully, and I, I say optimistically, in the next few weeks there will be some progress, certainly for the next week or two, the, the won't. I'm still just up to my eyes at the moment. The uh, Always the problem of uh, trying to mix... Uh client work with uh, your own work it um, becomes a little bit difficult you've got to pay the bills okay well that's uh, been quite a short show today but um, I, I've enjoyed it I think uh, there's been some interesting stuff there um, John I know you've got a hard stop good to go run off and, and, and do some things so uh, John just uh, tell people where they can uh, find you and get hold of you and that sort of stuff Okay. You can find out all about my product, MemoryMiner, at MemoryMiner.com. There are a number of blogs up there, a blog post up there at MemoryMiner.com slash blog. You can follow me on Twitter's Jembe, like the West African drum. That's D-J-E-M-B-E. And uh, you can also find me on app.net, also as Jembe. Excellent. Simon? Um, you can find me at ottersoftware.com. Uh, my blog is at swwritings.com. Uh, Twitter, I am SGAW. And just to confuse everybody on app.net, I am SW. Okay, and I am Scotty. So I'm Mac Devnet on Twitter. You can follow the iDeveloper TV stuff. The official stuff is iDeveloper TV. Uh, on AppNet, uh, app.net, I am Scotty. Okay, really could do with some iTunes reviews of iDeveloper Live. The last one was on the 5th of September. That's uh, almost two months ago. Um, if you could find some time just to go give us a quick review on iTunes, we would love it. Um, it would be uh, really... Um, uh, grateful for that you know be honest um because it, it's you know a way of getting feedback um if you've got a more specific issue you'd like to um talk about the podcast as opposed to just a general review um then contact me scotty idevelopertv and um we will do our best to get back to you uh in fact send it to support at idevelopertv because then it goes in the ticket system and it will get an answer as opposed to just getting lost in my inbox there we are this has been idevelopper live episode 70 chat room Thank you very much for helping us out, remembering all the information that we didn't know. It's really great. The chat room tune in to hear what we've got to say, but actually they tell us what they, we need to be saying. They feed us all the information. doing what we're doing. It's, it's like having our own professional staff. Chat room, you are amazing. 
<laughs> we love you all three of we you. love the chat room and <laughs> yes. by the way if you want to uh, get john fired send fire john at idevelopertv. tv yeah yeah you never know we listen to all the email <laughs> <laughs> there we are this has been uh, i developer live episode 70 i've said that before but it's still 70 it doesn't move on uh thanks for listening folks uh until next time you take care Let's <laughs> go.